And now it's time for another installment of... And welcome to another episode of a all Beatles and Beatle-related and Beatle-solo-related talk show. This show is Fab Four Free For All, and um, we do this every week on a podcast that includes my good friends, Mr. Rob Leonard. Hello. And Mr. Mitch Axelrod. How'd you do? And I am Tony Chiguardo, and um, we come to you weekly on the internet with exciting new topics related to... uh, a group whose influence cannot be denied and can certainly not be denied on the three of us in this room who roaches. are longtime fans. The Roaches. The Roaches, right. They're actually very Suzzy, good. Maggie, and Terry. They're very good. They're wonderful. And uh, today's topic is an interesting one, I think. As we are around the time of recording this show, we are at the, what is it, 42nd anniversary no, of the event 43. 43, you are correct. I'm so sorry. We're the good at man. I'm the one who told you two first. I was letting you slide on that Just one. I was making it sound like it was my mistake. Well, it's, it's still the beginning of the year, you know. <laughs> All right. If we'd record this in 2011, it would be. 43. It would be, right. But uh, the event that I am talking about is um, something that occurred back on January 30th, 1969. It was January the... 30th? That, that just, what is that? My birthday, sorry. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Here you go again. It's Johnny's birthday. It's, it's Johnny's birthday. birthday. It's Mitch's birthday. <laughs> it's Mitch's go birthday. Ahead. And what I'm talking about is the Beatles' performance on the rooftop of Three Savile Row. I was going to do that, you bum. I was going to do my job. By the way, Three boom. Savile Row just got sold and it's being like gutted again. Yeah. So, is it? Did it? Yeah. yeah. So just uh, for those who've actually gone to London looking for it and thinking, oh, the Beatles. We're in these rooms now. Everything was gutted before. Now it's right. going to be gutted again. <laughs> the Beatles were in some facsimile of this yeah. the, occupied space. The front space. actually looks like it. Yeah. You can house. see it, but it's weird because when I went to London, I tried to ask them if I could just go up to the roof because I was a total sycophant idiot. And I still am. And uh, they said no. Yeah. How funny. They don't really let people in that building because it's actually it was owned by the Building and Loan Association. Yeah. It's, it's a, no, Mr. Bailey. It was a banker's building. You know? Yeah. Well, all right. Let's try to complete this opening in less than 20 minutes like we did in the last. You know what I'd like to do? This would be a great <laughs> tour thing. Like you go into old Apple Three Savile Road, and this is where oh. Derek Taylor used to drink scotch all day. <laughs> they give you, you a go. scotch, <laughs> and they say, here. There's it's a- like a Beatles drinking game. It's like a drink <laughs> along with the Beatles and their staff. Here's where the Hell's Angels cleared out an entire case of Moet. And the typewriters. And the typewriters. Tur- See the ruddles. Right. Um Anyway, what we are talking about is the Beatles' rooftop concert performance. It was the uh, final live performance as a group. It was the event that capped what had been a very trying and very difficult month-long recording session that at that time were called the Get Back Sessions. It would later be referred to <laughs> as the Get Back Debacle. It resulted in, um, it put the final nail in uh, in the group's uh, say history. final. I think uh, once Alan Klein came into the picture, that was the final nail. And then he was already in the picture by the time. It, of... Actually, he came in right at the end of the month. So oh yeah, that's so true. he was. That's true. That's hundred percent. It, it's almost like yeah. you think about the beginning of the month, and you know they're not getting along. Obviously, and they're, they're sort of already going separate. And then 
you know, here's Alan Klein. Hi, I want to take over. You hear the dramatic it's, it's music, music like in the Ruddle special. Yeah. Dum, 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 <laughs> as he's walking down the stairs. Yeah, I guess you're right. So. You're absolutely right. Alan Klein really would have been the the nail yeah, to at me, the end of that. Is, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, so what you had are the four Beatles going up. Uh, oh, and I'm sorry, the four Beatles and a guest who was the first guest who is credited on a Beatle record. Auntie Mimi. Auntie Mimi. No, uh, the late and great Billy Preston as the keyboard player. And uh, is the backstory really for the live performance? Do yes. we want to take the backstory from when Billy Preston came in and why no. he came in? Well, no. a little bit. A little, a little bit, bit because he was no. brought in because <laughs> they felt that everything should be done live. Paul couldn't play bass and piano or, you know, I guess John couldn't do guitar or piano, whatever. But even before that, he was brought in because there was so much tension. Yeah, but he was also brought in because they needed a keyboard player. Well, true. Yeah. So that but was... George was very happy that he was pulling in someone that was, uh, because the, what were the many quotes that went around? You know, you always behave better when there's a dinner guest. Yes. So Billy was brought in and, and did sort of dissipate a lot. Yes, of it. but he also brought in some great piano playing and keyboard playing that those songs get back and don't let me down without him. You know, I can't picture them without him being on those. Which yeah, is why he got the deserved credit. Yes. Yeah. Because he made... Well, also, he really, signed the Apple, too, so it also helped. He yeah. made those songs, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Get Back without him is a different song. Oh, without a doubt. Did George sign Billy? George was the one who brought him in and then said, well, geez, you signed? And he said, no. He said, oh, we'll, we'll sign you. Okay. So, so I figured it, it seemed to be the, yeah. the connection between them. As we know, they toured together in 74 right. as well. And Billy always stayed a member of the Beatle, quote, and he was at Bangladesh and highlights of Bangladesh and yeah. the concert for George, let's be honest. Yeah. So the rooftop concert, do you guys recall the first time you saw Let It Be? Yes. And do, for either of you or both of you, was that the first time you remember seeing Beatle, aside from the Ed Sullivan shows, Beatle live performance footage? Yes, because I hadn't seen the Ed Sullivan shows at the time. Oh, so, so okay. I never, you know, I was too young to see it when it aired. And, and you hadn't seen those on a bootleg recording Not before, really, so. no. I remember borrowing a friend's VCR <gasps> in 1981 or 2. 81 MGM, I think, put it out. Yeah, well, maybe it might have been 83 or so. It was somewhere around there. I borrowed someone's VCR, and I took out Let It Be from the video store. And that's how I saw it. It was on Magnetic Video Company, I believe, which was 20th Century yes, Fox's. Label for the videos at the time, so to me that was like a big thing, and it was one of the first Beatle things I ever saw, really. Except for I think I saw a Hard Day's Night on Channel Five in 1980, I think, or 79, somewhere around there. So. For me, it uh, you know I kid around about my birthday, but it does have a little bit of credence in here because even though we're not talking about credence, um, but I'm exactly January 30th was my birthday, and in 1969 I was seven. And I remember the news reports at night, right before I went to bed, had that the Beatles had played on the roof because it's five or six hours later. Right. And they were all excited. I mean, it was like, the Beatles played today. And they showed them on news clips. And I actually asked my mother, did they do that for my birthday? I mean, you know, duh, I was a Beatles fan. It was, it was my birthday. So I thought, well, look what they did for my birthday. You know, kidding around. But a little not... self-centered, huh? Well, yeah, I was at the time. <laughs> um, not anymore because I realized that <laughs> they didn't give a grab about me, and they still don't. So it was kind of cool. You know, hey, the Beatles did this on my birthday. That's nice. But uh, I remember seeing the clip on the news 
And then the next day, the Daily News ran a big story about it. They, they um, had Calypso? Yeah, they had Calypso. I, I don't... I Not Calypso. No, but I'm, <laughs> how would they have a clip, though? BBC One or something have a I camera across I the I don't way? remember, but I distinctly remember seeing the Beatles playing while they were talking about it. Or maybe, you know what? It could be that my memory now is almost full. And maybe they did show just a picture. Maybe. And I'm thinking now, because I've seen the thing, right. video so long, and maybe it was. But in any case, I do remember seeing them in some form, media-wise, that it, day. It, would, it is interesting. If you think about all the media we have today, how that little rooftop thing would have been read differently by the wow. media. That would have been like, oh, my God, the Beatles played for the first time in three years. You would have had helicopters over the uh, oh, three Saville Road. You would have had TMZ there and Entertainment Tonight and the British and Access Hollywood. From somebody's cell phone, it would have been online yeah, within that, an exactly. hour. Exactly. Well, it's, exactly. It's that's, funny that's, you mention that. That's a great point, Robin. I'm going to tell you why. Because if any of you have not read Ken Mansfield's book, The White Book, you should really go out and get it. It's a really good book. Ken Mansfield was the American manager, I believe, of Apple at the time. Yes, he represented Apple. Represented, and he was there, and he wrote a firsthand account of this. And I've got to quote a couple of things, but the media point is perfect because originally the Beatles, for the end of this movie, wanted to do something big and live for the finale of Let It Be. And they originally were going to go book a German club and build themselves as Ricky and the Red Streaks. Right, that was that was a Paul thing. <laughs> yeah, but they couldn't do it because they thought, before we go and do it, there's going to be tons of media. So even in 1969, they were still thinking, the media are going to get hold of this beforehand. Right. We can't do it. We're the Beatles. So then they started scouting other sites like African deserts and in the U.S., Southwest locations. But again, it was so costly. They, you know, they just said, screw it, and they would, Went on the roof, which is good yeah. for all of us, I guess. In a way, it was an unusual and strange compromise in a time in their career where compromise wasn't really happening much. Was it a compromise or was it a default in a way? Because really what happened was Paul originally had this idea for a television show and live appearances, and they were bandying around where the live appearance was actually going to be, talking about things as far-fetched as playing live on a boat Right. Uh, Ringo doing the, you're going to put me in a boat surrounded by Beatle fans? Well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Which is why he doesn't you know, go to the fest. Right. <laughs> George basically, right, exactly. Uh, George saying, you know, but wait, we're going to do, we're going to play what, where? What are you going to do? What? You're sending me to what country? With Tunisia? The what the hell are you talking about? So they had written out, we're doing a TV special. And they had all these cameras there to do this special. So... This was like falling apart before Paul's eyes well, and before Michael Lindsay Hogg's eyes. The funny and, thing you mentioned, though, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have to, because at the end of the movie, Let It Be, if you've never seen it, there's a part where right before they go up on the roof where Paul is talking to John, and he's trying to convince him, well, we should do this and we should do that. And, and John's like looking. And at one point, he's actually saying, yeah, I, I see your point, but then he's looking up. and He's, he's looking just, up. He's, he's doing his laundry list. He's trying yeah. to think of where he's going to score next. Yeah, yeah. He's anything trying to like, other than what Paul's anything. saying. At one point, he stretches, and he actually puts his arm out, like almost to the point of where he's go reaching away. at the camera and saying, will you just go away so he goes away? <laughs> Paul looks so sincere about it. I mean, yeah. he well, really he, yeah. wants to get he, the, the band back together. I think he thought, and it's a little off topic because we're talking about more of the concert itself or the appearance. Well, the backstory the appearance. 
he still wanted to keep the Beatles together. In the worst way. And he knew what was going on. He saw that John and Yoko were John and Yoko. He saw that George was quitting growing. the Beatles. Yeah, he, he already quit, quit at that point. He already quit. And I think he felt that if they toured, they can maybe go back and be friends again. They can hang out more. And, you know, I think, and also coming off the White Album, which was very solo-esque, a lot of solo stuff on it, per se. It's kind of interesting that, you know, he's the one pushing for it and with good reason. And it's interesting because if the other three had agreed to do a tour, even if it was a small tour, just to see if they can do it, um, it would have changed everything. Because then they would have had to prepare for this tour. They obviously couldn't do 30 minutes anymore. They would have to, you know, we talked about this. Yeah, we've done a show. We did a show about that. We did a platform show about that. So it sort of sneaks in there that, you know, this should have worked. But you just brought up something. You talk about Michael Lindsay Hogg. Think about it. He did the Rock and Roll Circus, which wasn't released for 25 years. Right, which was a debacle. Which it's actually a very interesting thing. It's just looking at it now, it's like, okay, I can see what they were doing, but I can understand why it didn't come out then. And then... All of a sudden, he's filming what's supposed to be a TV special, and that's falling apart on him. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting where he's the one who said, we need something for the end. And then it became a movie somewhere along the line. And so he said, we need something. If he's not there as a film director, I don't think they're thinking of going on the roof. I think they're like, oh, okay. I Next mean, you hear you'll, that he directed the 33 and the third Revolution <laughs> Monkey, <laughs> and nice. that so went badly. No. <laughs> no, I mean, it's... That was Jack Good. I yes, know, I'm just kidding. It's very funny, but I mean, you raise a great point there. Would the rooftop concert have happened had it not been for the fact that sort of like one of the legs of the Beatle TV special had right. been kind of kicked out and, and from actually, under And actually, the them. TV special, and this is where Let It Be the movie gets weird, a lot of it were little cuts. They were recording the songs on the Nagra reels, mm-hmm. but the film itself was, you know, 10 seconds here, 10 seconds. You know, there's a lot of mismatched Very edits. Choppy, yeah. If oh, you absolutely. look at it, you can see... George playing a guitar solo, but it's not the guitar solo you're listening to. It's it's something else, well, yeah. you know, for whatever. And it's interesting. Michael Lindsay Hogg said you need an ending because it became something else along the way. And that's when they decided to go to the, well, well, let's go on the roof. And yeah. to be fair, it wasn't the first rooftop concert. No. Jefferson to, Airplane to be actually did it. Very fair. I December. only recently found out about that. December yes. 7th of 68, Jefferson Airplane did it, and it was filmed also. You took exactly where I was going. I was doing, I did Come my on, research. He's, an, air, he, gonna, he's you know. an airplane guy. Come on. I know, uh, but I, I did research. Thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do okay. research, by the he's way. He's hung out with Paul Kantner. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. And Yorma and Marty and all of those nuts. He's met but, those uh, guys. Come on. Sorry, but, you could say it. Edit. Go back. Edit. Go back. Put your voice in. No, it's okay. Everyone's allowed to no good now, things. why did they do it? Where did they do it? They did it originally. It was a film called um, One AM or One American Movie. It was Godard doing a um, rock and roll thing or some kind of experimental thing that he was working with. The airplane, basically, it was set up to let's blow the minds of the people in the area. It was also done a little bit differently because there was a lot of antagonism or not antagonism there was a lot of sort of outright you know marty balin the first thing you hear is you know wake up you mfs uh, you know okay. wake up but it was san francisco of 1969 the, so 68 it's basically to piss off the neighborhood and it is found in go ride the music the released jefferson airplane compilation dvd right you do see the people hanging out the window and watching it 
and you do see the reactions on the street, and you do have the camera down below. You do that for Let It Be Taking also, Taking it all though. in, absolutely, but that's where I'm going. You know, you're even seeing an influence in the filming style, the capturing okay, style. Yeah. So you've got this live performance. They only did one song. They did like a nine-and-a-half-minute version of uh, You, Me, and Puneel, and it's a very intense clip. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, it comes out, and you see, I think you even see footage of one, of them, one or two of them bouncing on the roof. You know, in a way, it's to stay warm, and it's cold as hell, and they're all wrapped up, and it's, there are some unusual similarities there. They even address it in the documentary and say, you know, did we inspire the Beatles? Hey, man, that's now, cool. Now, you if said it happened did... in, in October 68? No, December of 68. December of 68. So the Beatles were January of 69, so they wouldn't have yeah. seen it. They wouldn't have seen the they footage. Right, but they would have heard about it. But they would have heard about it, and, and there would have been word of mouth. Okay, uh, so I... Again, I, but I see what you're saying. It's true. Probably the, I didn't the shooting that similarities... Close. I didn't realize it was that close. Yeah, the shooting similarity is probably coincidence, or it's also, you know, who knows, through the grapevine, would it have known what kind of technique he was using... You never know. It also could but be you're a, right. a happy coincidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Because but it was in London, cool. they said, you know what? We're just going to go on the roof because we don't want to do what Paul wants. We don't want to go on a boat. We don't want to go in the, in the right. African desert. Right. We want to go on the roof. We'll do it. We'll record. We're done. Right. So you never right. know. But you know what? I will say, though, that the Beatle one is probably the most well-known. Oh, my God. Which yeah. has been I mean, influenced. You know, even two did oh, their video yeah. of Where the Streets Have No Name. Right, right. The B sharps on the Simpsons oh, even that was, great. Was, was even, and then George comes by and says it's been done. That was beautiful. That was so. It's the most recognized. When my band re- won our last show, when we did one up on the roof, nobody cared. I'm, I'm... <laughs> That's sad. That's sad. <laughs> I'm kidding. When the band jumped off, we got we got headlines. But um, there was a trampoline. There, there, was, a, there was a trampoline there, right? Now let's go through what happened at the show, uh, the the concert. And I'm going to throw in some quotes or some I should lines. say that before, when this happened, no one knew at, at Apple, the employees didn't know it was going to happen. Right. So right. they were actually locked in at a certain hour and you couldn't leave because from that end on, the police were locked out, right. as you see in the movie. And then the Beatles went up and did their thing. So it's interesting. It also should be noted that George Martin was actually part of the recordings for this um, because this was considered more of an official recording than a lot of the stuff that was recorded the first half of the get back session so but do we see him in the point. movie i don't i, I, I don't remember there's if a, we there, even there, see him yeah i think there is yes there, you there do. is a quote saying that you george see... martin went white when the uh the bobbies came in and the, the thing oh, yeah, you, I you see yes you do that. you see him in the movie if i'm not mistaken do we not see or is that michael lindsey hogg do we not see george leaning on the piano during um i think Octopus's that's Derek Garden? taylor it might be you may be well, right now, you may whatever. be right I may be crazy. I actually went to go pull out the DVD of Let It Be last night, and it wasn't in the case. So <laughs> it was an unofficial reproduction of a now out of print recording. So yes. what are you going to do? Stuff happens. There's, anyway, someone gave me a very nice uh, copy aired on BBC, I guess, in the eighties, where it was Letterbox or something. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. there are there's it, a thirty five nice millimeter thing. print going around right now. Yeah. yeah. The show Not that we know where to get them. them. Not that we know. No where idea. Them. I just, wish I did. Just uh, yeah. Anyway, send it to us. Uh, <laughs> just to look at some of the things that happened or didn't happen, there were off the cuff versions of and little toss outs of clips of I Want You, She's So Heavy, God Save the Queen, A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody, Danny Boy. These are the things that were going on in between the takes. None of them were serious at all, of course. You do hear Billy Preston join in on God Save the Queen, and it jumps around even if you hear it on the, you know, the recordings that have circulated. 
because Alan Parsons, the engineer, was changing the tapes at the time, so there was a tape-changing moment. Oh, um, I think should... the Nagra reels caught it, but the official 8-track yes. yeah, did we not. We should say that the whole show was, what, 42 minutes? Yes. And only, what, 20 minutes are in the movie? Right. And so, one's an edit, too. Yeah, one is definitely an edit of two get back. Right, right. So most people don't know that. There is more to it than is in the film. Yes. And I yeah. didn't know that for years and years and years until yesterday. And I just said, wow, you know, to me, I always thought that what they did on the roof was exactly what they did on the roof. I didn't no, know they, they did They did it several times. And actually, you know, you're filming it, so you might as well get it right. True. Yeah. John, during the set, kept making little weird announcements like, we've had a request from Martin Luther. <laughs> Then later, later he comes out with, we've had a request for Daisy, Morris, and Tommy. Yeah. We should tell people exactly the track listing. Yeah, we should. And also, too, we should note one thing that I found interesting, and back to that idea of, was this conscious, unconscious? Was this another, another moment, another nail in the coffin? Do we notice that George gets no vocal, gets no lead vocal on the roof? Yeah, but a lot of the stuff he had brought to the recording sessions was a lot more acoustic. So I mean mine. I mean mine was that was a rocker. But that yeah, was John wasn't on it. But that was recorded afterwards. It was recorded afterwards, but it was it was rehearsed during the Let It Be session. Rehearsed might be the wrong and, term. He sort of just played it. He yeah. says, I just wrote this last night and it's well, like But there are other songs that he could have done. Yeah, but I guess know. where I'm going is that had there not been that okay, George, well thanks for giving us that one. Okay, so here's my song. You well, know, if there well, had been you know less of that, you know, what song would have been good, and they, the Beatles sort of tried all to get it. Must pass. All things must pass, of but, course. But you know yeah. what? I will say to give George a little nod here. George gets the third vocal harmony in "Don't Let Me Down," which yeah. you don't get on the official release. And after hearing the unofficial releases and the movie, you wish they would have added that three-part harmony because it would have harkened back to the old days. And George's third-part harmony was great. Yeah, that's it's, actually it's a true. nice. Yeah. It up on the "Let It Be Naked" album. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you. See, I forgot about that naked album because my grandmother didn't want me to which, buy it. Which has both versions edited. You know, they took both which versions. Which is very weird, too. You know, John was nice enough and good enough to screw up the vocals in two different places. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he forgets the first verse and then he gets the second. You know, he's just, it's but like. It, it is brilliant watching him when he's on the roof and he does that, you know, and he laughs. Just see him laughing. And at least it's fun. Yeah, but they, at least they were when they did "Let It Be Naked." That was my favorite part of the whole "Let It Be Naked" thing. Is that "Don't Let Me Down" finally from the rooftop, even though it's edited two different segments, you get a, that version up there. Even though you're right, I miss him screwing up the lyrics because that was kind of funny. I'll throw in a couple of different quotes from the guys themselves, from George from Anthology. We went on the roof in order to resolve this live concert idea because it was much simpler than going anywhere else. This is interesting. Also, nobody had ever done that. So it would be interesting to see what happened when we started playing up there. It was a nice little social study. We set up a camera in the Apple reception area behind a window so no one could see it, and we filmed people coming in. The police and everybody came in saying, you can't do that. You've got to stop. So that's George's take. Ringo said, there was a plan to play live somewhere. We were wondering where we could go. Oh, the Palladium or the Sahara. (laughs) But we would have had to take all our stuff. So we decided, let's go up on the roof. We had Mal and Neil set up the equipment on the roof, and we did those tracks. I remember it was cold and windy and damp, but all the people looking out from their offices really enjoyed it. And now, then, wait, hang okay. on. Before you go on, my favorite scene in all of Let It Be, I know it's weird, but when they're doing I Forgot What Song, I think it's Don't Let Me Down or whatever, 
and they cut to an old woman on the street. Oh, yeah. And she looks at the camera and goes... I've got a feeling, I think. And she cuts and she just goes, it just doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's the funniest, because all the other old people on the street go, oh, I love that. They're great. This is wonderful. Lunchtime, yeah, good. But you know something? She's right. She's right. Why are they playing on the roof? I know, but but it's so funny. It's just like... Like a Monty Python moment, you know, we cut to the old woman. Mrs. Pepper Pot. Right. And, yeah, and then go back to, the, I've got a feeling. It was so funny to me. I love that part. It was very part. bizarre. Very bizarre. Going on, here's Paul's take, and then I'll read one more quick. It was good fun, actually. We had to set the mics up and get a show together. I remember seeing Vicky Wickham of Ready, Steady, Go. Uh, there's a name to conjure with. On the opposite roof, for some reason, with the street between us. She and a couple of her friends sat there, and then the secretaries from the lawyer's office next door came out on their roof. We decided to go through all the stuff we'd been rehearsing. Not. <laughs> not. And record it. If we got a good take on it, that would be the recording. If not, we'd use one of the earlier takes we'd done downstairs in the basement. It was really good fun because it was outdoors, which was unusual for us. We hadn't played outdoors in a long time. It was a strange location because there was no audience except for Vicky Wickham and a few others. So we were playing virtually to nothing, to the sky, which was quite nice. They filmed downstairs in the street, and there were lots of city gents looking up going, what's that noise? But I have a good one from John because we haven't said anything from You're right. John. Yeah. He told Ken Mansfield about the finale in, in general. I'm paraphrasing. But there's no way we can be what the fans expect of us. They've built us up so much, especially since Sgt. Pepper, that we would never meet their expectations. And Ken Mansfield right. said that John was really, really nervous. I think John was nervous a lot of times. Right. He always had the bravado to get it over, but I think he was nervous about a lot of things. And I'll bring this back, too, because it's the truth. You know, you add in the fact that at that point there was the drugs and there was John talk about paranoid, strung out. But I think also part of his his deal is is that the Beatles were afraid to try something new as a live act because they were so used to just being screamed at. By that time, they would not have had a screaming audience. Right. Because the audience moved on. Would have been very different. Grown up and. It would have been different. So I think... Yeah, hell, the Beatles at the Fillmore would have been real different than the Beatles at uh, the Ed Sullivan Theater. You're right. They were afraid to try it. And and I can understand that, you know? Right, right. So. On that note, at this point, we are going to take a break in the show. We will be back after these messages. The guys at Fab Four Free For All are delighted to be giving away copies of the Blu-ray and standard DVD of the new movie, The Love We Make, courtesy of Eagle Rock Entertainment. Love We Make is a chronicle of Paul McCartney's cathartic journey through New York City in the aftermath of 9-11. And Fab Four Free For All have a number of copies to give away to our listeners. To enter the drawing for your copy of The Love We Make, please send an email to Fab Four Free For All, that's F-A-B, the number four, F-R-E-E, the number four, all, at AOL.com, and specify in the subject heading whether you're interested in a regular or Blu-ray copy of the DVD. And welcome back to another episode of the Fab Four Free-For-All. I'm Tony Chiguardo, today's moderator, and we continue now with our discussion of the Beatles up on the roof. Not the drifters up on the roof, but the Beatles up on the roof. Again, please visit us on Facebook so that you can uh, like us and be forwarded and be informed about... I like you. I like you, too. I like Rob, too. And I like... I don't like Rob. Nice. (laughs) I like Rob. (laughs) she's doing it right now in fact stop that anyway uh anyway we are going to pick up where we left off before the break hey there's a window here what are you i'm not doing it in front of a window 
And uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, which is which is hanging from the roof at Three (laughs) Savile Row as we talk about the Beatles famous or infamous rooftop concert. And is it a concert or a performance? You know, that's the thing. You know, that's That's a good question. What's what's the difference, though? Well, a a performance of an audience, an audience, you know, is is Candlestick Park in 1966 the last thing or is this? Well, funny you say that because there were people on the roof. Or is it the next day where they recorded live also for the cameras? But not for a anybody outside. Else. See, I think that's a performance because you're not so. in front of anybody. But up on the roof, they had, I know Paul said, you know, there was nobody. But Chris O'Dell, who was working in Apple at the time, and right. wonderful, wonderful book. Please buy that. Uh, Ken Mansfield. You, Ken Mansfield was up there. Yoko Ono was up yep. there. Yeah. So there were people Maureen. up there. Maureen. Yeah, Maureen was thanks, up there. Mo. Thanks, Mo, which most right. people don't even right. know he said thanks, Mo. Right. But there was an Mo audience. Howard wasn't up there? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Larry Start Fine early. was. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, you have to. Joe Besser was. You have to. Yeah, it was later. You have to really think of what a performance is versus a concert. Concert would have right. implied that there are people listening, and they had all of London listening. And it really struck me. I, I didn't know the date range of what happened, which date was which. But when you watch the movie Let It Be, you see their performance of Two of Us and Long right. Mining Road yeah, before the roof. Like you said, it was the day after, which yeah. to me is now it's like almost anti. I wanted to get the chronology of it to be it'd the, be interesting. the last thing. It'd be interesting if they did it chronological and you it ends, thanks, Mo, and, and then go to the next day where they to record these slower, more acoustic songs and how that would end this movie. If they Let's say it just ended with like the long and winding road, yeah, you know, right. like, which makes a little more sense now, now, which we didn't know then. But then again, how do you top that rooftop concert? You know, that has to be at the end. It's perfect, even though it technically wasn't. Well, if I could toss this in, really weird, and this is something that for those of you who go out there and collect, one of the things that I, over the years, has always been a focus and a specialty of mine is this period. It's a horrific period to focus on, really, but I've heard... Or is it? Well, yeah. I mean, I've heard literally, you know, 100-plus hours of this period material. There's a really cool moment where things could have taken a, I don't know if you want to say horrendous or a really radically different turn. I think, Rob, you've heard this. There's a segment of Paul talking to Michael Lindsay Hogg where they talk about the direction that the Beatles are going. And they're talking about how to do this bloody live performance. And they've tossed around a bunch of things. And and poor Paul is lamenting to what's been going on and the communication breakdown and et cetera, et cetera. And he says, well, how about this? How about... The Beatles perform live in the middle of the studio here in in Twickenham, and surrounding us are all news agencies. And we have the top news guys of the day from all the different news agencies. And you have a guy from Hong Kong and a guy from New York and a guy from L.A. and a guy from London. And what happens is the end of the TV special focus on the Beatles play a song, and then we cut to... This just in from Hong Kong. There has been a, an earthquake and, uh, you know, only a 5.6, but people are injured. And, uh, you cut to France and there's a, a news from France is this and this. And the Beatles do another song and then back to the news. And then the very last song, you cut to the London reporter and he tears off a sheet and looks in the camera and says, this just in, Beatles break up. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I never heard that. I never heard and, that. And you hear. I and, haven't heard all the letter. And you stuff. hear Michael Lindsay Hogg go. Dead silence in the room. Michael Lindsay Hogg goes, nice. And Linda goes, nice, nice. That's not nice. And here Paul's going, nice, nice. I don't know. Is that nice? 
And he's going, what an ending. Nice to and, see Linda's still a Beatles fan at the time. Yeah, and McCartney is just like, what an ending. Oh, my God. You know, indeed. Well, think about it. Talk about an, a finale to a film. I mean, wow. Well, it became, you know, know, the Let It Be became. It a, did. Then they did Abbey Road. Yeah, but there was a cool, what could have been a cool iconic ending. But he wasn't really, he was talking about a headline as opposed to reality. He was oh, yeah. saying just the yeah. Beatles break up, but little did he know. It was. Well, he was, I mean, you know. The end, no pun intended. Yeah, but at that time, I don't even think Paul was foresighted enough to even think that Abbey Road could possibly really. But, you know, I I harken back to what Ken Mansfield said. Um, He said, you know, whether you like the performance or not, and we will go into the tracks, the Beatles under total adverse conditions outside. When you looked at it, those four guys got up there and they were the Beatles. Played their asses off. Played their asses off. With the winds, the adversity of tension of the group, and they got up there, just like Ringo said, when the music started, they were the Beatles. Right. And they were. And you know what? Whether you like that stuff up there or not, they were really good up there. Absolutely. I mean, you look at George, I always say, and I've said it in past episodes, when you hear George's solo in One After 909. Which I love. I mean, it's brilliant. And, you know, if he wasn't into it and if he was hating the Beatles... You know, he could have played a little more lackluster, but George played his butt off on the roof up there. And Ken said that he actually held four cigarettes in between his fingers so George can reach over and warm his fingertips because it was that cold. That cold. And he still played his ass off. And Ringo, with the wind blowing the cymbals all over the place and shivering, is playing his butt off on he all is, those he's stuff. He's shivering between he's takes, shivering. which is really wild. And John even makes mention of it, you know, yeah. oh, the fingers are yeah. they're too cold. Everybody too cold. Is, is jumping up and down on the roof saying, you know, it's cold. Which is maybe why they ended the when it ended. You know, maybe they're yeah. cold. Just, it's too damn know, cold. You, they probably should have done another version of Don't Let Me Down. Maybe they intended to go up there and do a lot more songs. Yeah. Like you said, maybe they would do All Things Was Past. I mean, I've Got a Feeling sounds perfect, even though there's actually two versions, which I never knew of until Let It Be Naked. Yeah. One After 909, I thought was excellent. Awesome. Don't Let Me Down, the edit is great. And Get Back is the only one they had to really fuddle around with. One After 909 just has grit, which yeah. I love. The star, yeah. the kick in to One After 909 is just the and, most fun. But did they do that during Let It Be Sessions? Not like that. Not like right. that. No, that's what I no, mean. They were still thinking about that, the 63 version. That was a, that was a yeah, nice was byproduct nice, of what definitely. came out of their long and arduous sessions. But, you know, to be fair to the Beatles and to be fair to everybody, those weren't always unhappy sessions. If you no, listen to the, the 4,000 hours, there are really great moments. There's fun moments yes. when the Beatles yeah. were being the Beatles, doing help. Which, and in a way, is why the whole you can't do that. fly on the wall disc of Let It Be Naked was just so damn disappointing. Oh. Because you had the opportunity at that point to kind of revise some of History. The, the, the mythology yes. behind yes. how miserable all those sessions were and maybe have some of the joy back and I have I listened to it once and I put it back I never played it again never again one more thing and then we'll hit the music specifically specifically no a couple of more quick quotes because I love these because they're fun as we know yes there might have been more songs intended but as we know everything came to a shocking standstill when dun 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 Paul, in the end, it started to filter up from Mal that the police were complaining. We said, we're not stopping. He said, the police are going to arrest you. Good end to the film, then. Let him do it. Great. That's an ending. Beatles busted it rooftop gig. We kept going to the bitter end, and as I say, it was quite enjoyable. I had my little Hofner bass, very light, enjoyable to play. In the end, the policeman, here's your bit of Beatle trivia from your friends at this podcast, 
number 503 of the Greater Westminster Council. Imagine it stayed with him in all these years. Made his way around the back. You have to stop, he said. Make him pull us off. This is a demo, man. <laughs> I think they pulled a plug. That was the end of the film. Then Ringo says, you know, I always feel let down about the police. This is great. I love this one from Ringo. Someone in the neighborhood called the police, and when they came up, I was playing away, and I thought, oh, great. I hope they drag me off. I wanted the cops to drag me off. Get off those drums, because we were being filmed, and it would have looked really great kicking the cymbals and everything. Well, they didn't, of course. They just came bumbling in. You got to turn that sound down. Boy, it could have been fabulous. <laughs> I, ju I just thought of something when you talk about the cops. How does Monty Python and the Holy Grail end? The cops oh, come and the arrest. Wow. I, just, done. I just thought of wow. that. Wow. See, you do have a wow. revelation and here. I'm like, he does it every show. Let's go back and listen to the help show where he talks about the sitar. And, and literally when we're saying goodbye, we all go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. I just thought of that. That's brilliant, And Rob. especially Seriously. since George knew the Pythons, and they, they obviously knew the Beatles. And yeah. Ended just, just the same, the same way. way. The cops the come and come just stop the movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely wonderful. Oh all, it would, all it would have needed was would have been Eric saying, I hope he passed the audition. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my so God. I'm sorry. I'm just having a revelation. That's say, You say you want a revelation. revelation. Wow. Um, I like that. That's great. You say you want a revelation. Wow. The that just knocked me out. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll be back in a minute. That's <laughs> okay. The, the concert performance itself began with a uh, a run through of Get Back very quickly. Very quickly, and it's funny because you listen to that, it's like, okay, that's not too good, right? And then, <laughs> and then they get it right the next time. Yeah. You know what though? Can I just say one thing? Sure. Before you even talk about the music, I always noticed that the typical Beatles where they stand was different. Because John was in the middle and not at the end, and I, I always hated that. They had more microphones this time. That's why. Yeah, you're right. But, but they it was still... usually John at one end and George at the other, and Paul no, in the middle. No, right? no, no, no. Paul, Paul and John with... at the end, and, and George was always in the yeah, middle. But, but I'm put just it this saying, way, but... guys, it's because they shared mics. But my yeah. point being that right. usually John and George were usually relegated to either side, right? And George with Paul in the middle, vacillating between the two, or George coming to the middle right. to be with with Paul. And George is at but, the end now. But George is at the end, and yeah, that was a weird... Oh, that's right. Yeah, Ed Sullivan, you're right. George is in the middle. You're Absolutely. right. George is sandwiched in the middle, yeah. or... Yeah, that's He's true. in the middle on every that's Ed true. Sullivan show. And then Sullivan, he would go yeah. over to sing with Paul. He never right. really yeah. sang with Right, Paul. but it was, it's so yeah. odd, even looking at the things now, I'm thinking, it just looks weird, because it wasn't like Paul and John went over to the same mic for, like, Ticket to Ride. This was a next phase right. Beatle concert. <laughs> so. That's true. They didn't share any mics. No, they, didn't, they didn't. They didn't do any harmony there. That's true. Good point. Yeah. That's interesting. Sorry, that's, that's true. There was more of a setup. I didn't yeah, even think of that. Yeah. There's no face-to-facing right. at this show probably for the first time in a Beatles live performance. Yeah. How time. funny. That's, that's a really good point. And they was also all recorded on 8-track, so they could do that. You know, they right. have to think, okay, we have to share this mic because we have only 8-tracks. That's and right. And they were doing it live. So. Separate channel. Yeah. Great point. So we get back. Warm-up number one, two, and three. Don't Let Me Down. First run-through. I've Got a Feeling. First run-through. One after 909. And uh, that is one of uh, two attempts on that one. Dig a Pony, I've Got a Feeling, Don't Let Me Down, and uh, Get Back, number four. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. There is only one run-through of Don't Let Me Down. One, uh, I mean, of 1 after 909. Right. One and only one take of 1 after 909. And that was the best one out of all? Smoking. Absolutely it's smoking. It's interesting how, how here they are on this, whatever they're calling it, they're getting it right. And after... You know, the whole month was, I don't want to say all bad, but it was just lethargic sometimes. 
Yeah. On fire. The performance is on fire. Little bits and moments that we wonder about. The hold it. <laughs> the sniff sniff. Ringo is putting out a cigarette. So the hold it is screened because Ringo needed a moment to put out a cigarette. Oh, okay. And it keep going. But uh, you do mm-hmm. hear someone. Someone leans into the mic and goes, like that, uh, which is uh, which yeah. is probably either a play on hold it. We need a moment to, you know, which is a good gag, or it may also have just been that they were probably bloody freezing. Well, I know for a fact that when I'm running. cold, my nose runs. Yes, absolutely. And I have to always say, "Excuse me." Yeah, so, so that could be happening. Absolutely. And then, of course, the most famous bit of all is John's closing line. I guess. Well, wait before that. So, well, there's Paul other ones says, too. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Mo. But I always right. thought he said, thanks, folks. Yeah, thanks, folks. That's I always said, thanks, like. folks. I mean, I didn't know for a long that's, time. That's, that British accent got in the way a little bit. <laughs> well, we got to talk to Simon from Manchester. And, and also, you don't stop to think because it's the nickname of Mo right. for Maureen. Maureen yeah. It doesn't hit you right away. Right, but it so, was actually Maureen Starkey right, he was talking to right. who was, for who taking is, photos. And is she the one who yells the very audible yay? Yes. yes. Yeah, so that's that yay. Yeah, that's why right. it's just you know, thanks, Mo. So thanks, Mo. Oh, you know, right. I mean, so she, she wasn't taking photos. She was probably taking photos also. I hope she, so. I would yeah. like to see those photos. I'll have to ask <laughs> someone. So that's another one of the lines in there. The Oh Danny Boy, of course, you know, was made reference to uh, we talked about earlier. And then the final thing of I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. And Think I about that line. The audition. Think about just grammatically. I'd like to thank on behalf of the group and ourselves. What? You are the group. Well, at that point, is that John, was it a half-ass tossed-out comment or was it a pure Leninism? I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. He was probably including the people on the roof. Well, including the people on the roof, but it's also, yes, I'll say thank you on behalf of the group, but I will also say thank you on behalf of each of the individuals who are up here. It also, I think, is a nice way to include and not include Billy Preston. Because it's also saying on behalf of the group and ourselves, you know. Was it that thought? Who knows? Could have just been John being John. Funny thing is, though, they did put out clips for Get Back and Don't Let Me Down, 16-millimeter promotional clips, which, oddly enough, they were synced to other performances. But think about it. If you're seeing the Beatles for the first time since when? You would have probably saw them on the David Frost show or the uh, Smothers Brothers with Tate Revolution. Right. Now you're seeing them, and they look... Really different. I mean, Paul's got beard, and I know many people don't like that Paul look, you know. So if you think about back to from Ed Sullivan show to even Hello Goodbye, they look. Think about it's like you know eight months later. Yeah, and they they really have changed so much, and the music has totally changed, really changed. I mean, this music that you're hearing here, I mean, other than Get Back, it's really not the upbeat, beatly music you would expect to hear. I'm gonna toss this out after seeing the film, hearing the music as it is taking shape in the film. From the standpoint of folks who listen to a lot of music and are deep music appreciators, does that performance surprise you as much as it surprises me? After seeing what came before, I almost found that they were able to pull their stuff together to get that performance out of what had come before, to be nothing short of astonishing. I I agree. Um... The thing about Get Back, the official release came, what, two days earlier, three days earlier from that take? Yeah. So they have sort of were okay with it. They had learned it by then. Don't Let Me Down was the same, was the next day, I believe. And so you got those two things. And then one after 909 seems to come out of nowhere. I've got a feeling sort of the same way. Even though they had practiced it, 
the versions on the roof, I think, from what they were doing, it's like they just sort of grabbed it together and said, let's not embarrass ourselves. They could have really sucked. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, we right. wouldn't have seen it officially, I'm sure. We would have seen it unofficially. Right. But, you know, they could have sucked, and they didn't. Interestingly enough, when you go back and you listen to a lot of the unreleased stuff, once you get to Apple Studios, things do change a lot. They pick up a lot. But the cameras weren't rolling. Right. So it's interesting because the film is, in a way, kind of deceptive. It is a deceptive because you watch the concert movie and they're having fun on stage and you watch what was actually recorded the day after. That's kind of low-key. Yeah. And they don't look like they're having fun. Right. But on the roof, they're looking like they're having a blast. They're having a great time. Right. And, and you actually watch that if you watch the 1970 you know, and the Beatles just broken up when the movie came out. You're like, oh, they look like they're having fun. Yeah, the rooftop is fun. But I'm saying, like, audio-wise, if you hear all that Twickenham stuff, oh yeah, yeah, it's very down. Yes. Whereas if you hear the Apple stuff, it's starting to become much more tuneful. It may, it may not be, it's still not I think overly joyous yet, the fact but the music comes together. The Twickenham stuff was never really thought of to be released. And Absolutely. And almost none of it has been, really. Right. And it also wasn't a music studio. Right. It was, it was, it was, it was and studio. they were unhappy you know. being there, so of course it's going to come across yeah. in the music. Although we do get some stuff on the anthology. We yeah. get some Apple Studio stuff yes. from the tail end of the sessions on anthology. But it's kind of sad that we don't have more of kind of like a joyful Beatles from that period. Well, thank we goodness do we do roof. have this concert. We do have this concert, which brings another point up. Uh-oh. Why the hell don't we have it? Why oh, don't we have we the whole, No, why don't we have Can the whole thing? Can I just say one thing, thing before we discuss yeah. why we don't have it? The one thing I hate about the rooftop concert filming-wise, and I want to tell Michael and Ziog, when they start I've Got a Feeling, mm. and they're still on the street mm. with people. Yep. And they don't come in until, like, you know, Paul comes in and starts screaming. I want the cameraman. I want to literally lift the TV and say, go up to, back <laughs> yeah. to the Beatles. I want to see what they're doing. Well, the only thing I can think of is, is maybe there was a problem with the film. I don't know. I, no, I, I would I, doubt it because we've seen the pictures and it seems like yeah. there's three or four cameras up yeah, there. Yeah, the footage, the footage exists. So yeah. I'm, I'm, you're probably... But it always it, bothered, it bothered me. me. but I can understand as... As a director, why he was... I know you want to be artsy, but they're still futzing around with the crowd, and the Beatles are playing a new song which you've never heard. Right. And it just... It just always... I'm sorry. It just, it just bothers me. What because, does it do? Yeah. <laughs> go on. Why don't we have it on DVD? Why don't we have it on DVD? Well, there are rumors. Um, there are, um, And again, allegedly, in 2008, supposedly, allegedly, whatever you want to say, Ringo and Paul both blocked the DVD release, because it felt it tarnished their brand because there's a lot of fighting in the movie. It's a rumor of an alleged happening. Well, it's originally not... it was supposed to come out when Let It Be Naked came out. That was the plan. They were going to put Let It Be Naked, and then they were going to put out the Let It Be on DVD. They didn't really talk about extra stuff at the time, but we knew we were going to be happy because it was DVD. It never happened on the <laughs> DVD side, and Let It Be Naked... I mean, I think it would have helped maybe that release a little bit. I don't mind Let It Be Naked. I don't like the fact that Get Back gets faded out before the coda. Mm. I don't like uh, the editing of I've Got a Feeling with the two versions because I thought the version that they released was, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the, I the need re- the Charles Hawtrey and the Death Age. Yeah, and, I and, need and, that. And, and I like become I, like the help opening with the James Bond right, right. in America. I don't, well, that was released that everywhere. Was everywhere. I want that. I agree. You know, I understand why they did it. It was Paul. You know, it was his way of cleaning his distaste for what Phil Spector did to the uh, album. Wait, eh, stop right there. He always says that, 
But in concert, when he does Long and Winding Road, he does the Phil Spector version. Well, he, so please, well, he Paul, he, I love he, you, but he please. He never has the strings the way Phil Oh, Spectre but it's still the Phil Spectorized version. It's not as bare as, I don't know as about Let that. It Be Naked. It's, 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 in my so, opinion, I think, I'm alleged. I think it's, it's interesting because there are really happy parts of the movie. You know, the rooftop concert being one of them. Definitely. And Well, two of us when John and Paul are yeah, in the middle of the mic. Right. Yeah. But That's at the fun. same time... The piano medley between Paul and Ringo is if, wonderful. If they too. wanted to, they could re-edit the movie. Uh, 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 uh. No, you, you don't mess with history. That was the way it was. If you want to do it like that, you could do a two-DVD set. An definitely, edited version. Definitely. And the way it was. Definitely. And then you, yeah. you picture it the way you want. But I totally can see Rob's point. You, oh, you do can. do something like that. You put out Let yep. Be the Movie. You know, it's a 90-minute movie. You're talking the DVD format. 88 or something. 80, 81. You can easily add another hour to the disc. So you have Let It Be the movie. But then the only thing that's interesting is what you'd probably want to do is either drop more footage in the middle so you still end with the rooftop or what have you. Or you do the movie and then the auxiliary material. But in the auxiliary material... You could find some happier moments. You know, there's a lot they could have added in there. and They're all, doing the whole Beatles thing, even though it wasn't done well, but put that in there. And also, too, as, a, as an archivist and, a, and as a librarian, we walk around and I see what goes on in our collection. And you know what? It's one thing to not put something out that has never been released but only existed in the underground. And you made a decision in 1974 – you know what, this album's going in the can, we're not going to put it out. And it circulates on bootleg for 100 years. And if that artist says, you know what, I don't care how many people have the bootleg, I still don't want to put it out. The difference with something like Let It Be is this was an existing, released oh, yeah. piece of yeah. work. So come on, what you're doing is you're actually guilty by withholding evidence and information. This is part of your, your legacy. I agree with that. Like I'm, it or I, not. I, you know, it's interesting. If the movie had came out before Abbey Road, it would be a different ballgame because Abbey Road would have been thought of as the last album. Right. Which it is. But people would think differently of it. And I think that's part of it, too. There's this overhang. The Beatles had officially broken up in April. The movie comes out the next month. And it's like, oh, oh, I can see why they maybe were fighting. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Abbey Road, there was a lot of togetherness on it for a lot of it. Not all of it because right. John wasn't on a couple right. of tracks. But I can see if they'd done it that way. And that's sometimes the whole timeline. What was the last Beatles album recorded? Let it be. No, it was, was no, the last one released. Right, right. So it it changes things a little bit. I understand where you're coming from. It is interesting, though, if you go on eBay or wherever and you know you type in Let It Be on Laserdisc, you will yeah. find it really overpriced. And, oh, and actually, the Laserdisc print wasn't even that good. No. And if you no. look at like the Beatles anthology and you see what they did with it, and they cleaned it up, and it's like, <gasps> Why oh. did they clean it up? Well, first of all, and this is off top, this is more about the movie than the concert, but the movie was blown up to 35 millimeter incorrectly. It was filmed on 16. They blew it up to 35. They screwed up the transfer. So by the transfer, that was what everyone else saw. But they went back to the 16 millimeter. They cleaned it up. And to me, I remember that was one of my aha moments, one of the many that, aha that moments. That and Shea Stadium. And Shea Stadium. Wow. Because we've seen so many bad copies of the Shea Stadium concert, and all of a sudden you see this crystal clear. And the same with the whole Let It Be. So obviously they've cleaned it up, and they should have, because if you're going to do something like the anthology, you don't want to put some piece of crap up there. But they went back to the original thing. And so the 35 millimeter that was made, hopefully it was thrown away, 
and they went back to the 16, they could probably make a 35 out of that now, yeah, and it would be yeah. much better yeah. product. But yeah. recently, though, Michael Lindsay Hogg has now fueled the fire, and he's been doing some book shows, book tours. Well, he found out he was Orson Welles' child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now he's going on about it, but he does have a book. And in some of the Q&A, he has fueled the fire again by saying Apple is going to release it at some time really in the near future, and that he has seen the cleaned-up version of it, and right. it's gorgeous and blah, blah, blah. So whether that's just publicity for his book or it's real, I mean, you I, have to think they have it Yeah, at this point. Well, we will see what happens, and we'll see what the future brings from our friends over at uh, Apple and from uh, the two remaining boys and the estates. Yeah, I mean, they, um, all four have to agree on it, and... Hmm. You know, I don't think anyone's against it. I, Paul, I thought, was against it for a while. He paints Let It Be or Get Back as more of a happy thing. And maybe right. for him it was. Right. Maybe it would. Uh, this will be something we'll obviously talk about more in the future. And again, we're deviating from the rooftop topic. But I would think that George's estate might even at this point be happy because it vindicates what everyone always said about George having been... The kind of well, they held used back the clip in living in, in the living in the material world, the fight scene. Absolutely. So obviously they've used it. Yeah, I'll play whatever you want me to play. Or yeah, I'll so play that, that part, when it comes out in the United States, yeah. at least we could say, well, the part of Let It Be is, is out. out. Right. If you really look back at that now, he didn't quit right after that. So it's sort of taken a little bit out of context because everybody always says it's the fight scene. But it's just... Him saying, look, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I mean, it wasn't really a fight. But, but he had quit during Let It Be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, oh, really. Yeah, yeah, and he wrote about it as, yeah. as evidenced in the went, documentary. Went to lunch. Went to lunch. Quit, quit the Beatles. Beatles. <laughs> went home, <laughs> ate some chips. Yeah, right. I mean, he actually Called said, the wife. Sued the wife. Sued the wife. No, <laughs> he actually did put that in his journal, if you've seen the documentary of Living in the Touring World. So it's very interesting. But what we've looked at in this last episode is the harmony and the harmony that we saw on the roof with Four guys plus one playing music and having a good time. So we did a, an analysis here of the Beatles, the complete rooftop performance. And, uh, yeah. So any closing thoughts? Release it. There you go. <laughs> Though, actually, if they do get around to it, as much as I'd want to see the whole thing, mm -hmm. I don't really need to. I like the 20 minutes or whatever the last part is. Yeah. I don't need the... The other, it's nice to have it, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, but I don't necessarily need to see the mistakes. Yeah, I, I, the, yeah. the full takes it, are great. Wouldn't it have I'd been love to see it things synced up better? Wouldn't it have been nice for this January, since we got no product from the Beatles at Christmas from 2011, if you're listening to timing, wouldn't it have been good for the following January to have just a DVD, and people would have still bitched and moaned, it doesn't matter, but wouldn't it have been cool to have the rooftop performance, the anniversary? Yeah. Their anniversary edition. And yeah. give us whatever they want. Of course, then people would say, oh, but you're giving us that, but not let it be. Because no one's ever going to be happy in full. But that would have been kind of cool to show the happiness of let it be and still put it out. Yeah, or put true. it on the website, a cleaned up version on the website like they did with um, Washington go. Coliseum. Which was really clean. Which but it's really not on the really website. Nice. It's on iTunes. iTunes. I'm so sorry. So you're even right. if, you know what? Right. So put it out on iTunes. And even if they charge, big deal. I'd buy a nice cleaned up version of that. Okay. I think we've all gotten some great uh, thoughts out here. Rob had a couple of great revelations there. Say so you want a revelation. Yeah, Thank I'm still <laughs> blown away by that. i got to go back and watch Monty Python yeah. now. Back Let it be into Monty Python. <laughs> and that, Let it be Monty Python. There you go. 
And that concludes this episode of the show. If you want to reach us uh, right now, you can catch us at any of our individual Facebook pages. Rob Leonard can be heard on Friday nights with Beatles songs. On 90.3 FM WHPC and streaming at ncc.edu slash WHPC. And isn't it great that the show is digital and you can just go back a little bit and just play that again so you could write it down and actually <laughs> go to the URL because it's pretty bloody long. Anyway, and a little bit. Mitch Axelrod does not have a, another show at this moment, but... Go out and buy his book. I always think of the scene from there was an old show called The Critic with the little stand-up yeah. of William Shatner. I like, buy my book. The, buy I my miss, book. I miss anyway, the critic. Say the critic. Um, so anyway, you can get Mitch Axelrod's book, uh, which is called Beetle Tunes. Thank you. And uh, it can be found where, Mitch? Uh, in my house. No, um, it can be found uh, pretty much all over the net on all the dot coms go look for it i also have a book called little billy and baseball bob Yay. which is a children's book uh which is currently sold out but uh, if you could find copies i've been told it's pretty good and i'll hock my stuff here you can come and see me at uh, come and see me come and listen to me on 4f free format for free monday nights from 7 to 9 p.m on wcwp and you can also catch that streaming at the same time at mywcwp.org also if you visit the peteformatel.com website I'm just the I'm just busting with pride over having produced Pete's audiobook of his uh, bookends, the Simon and Garfunkel story, and uh, that is at PeteFornatel.com. And that's it from us. If you also want to visit our Facebook pages and also uh, the new site, FabForFreeForAll.com. And uh, we hope to see you all next week. Thanks for joining us on the rooftop. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All.